Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Telegraph, the Telegraph. podcasts. Care home deaths are included in the daily toll for the first time. Clearly we have moved to a system of recording deaths that is better and more granular because it covers more than just the hospital setting. Warnings the UK could see a spike in cancer deaths as those with symptoms stay at home. The powerful psychological campaign of uh, stay home, protect the NHS, save lives, very effective. But it puts people off using the NHS. And as Boris Johnson announces the birth of his child, we look into life as a new parent in lockdown. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. Nearly a third of all care homes in England have reported coronavirus outbreaks, according to new data from Public Health England. Some 4,500 homes have reported cases between March the 17th and Monday of this week. It comes as the daily government death toll includes deaths in care homes and the community for the first time. It means another 765 deaths with the virus were reported on Wednesday, taking the total number of fatalities in the UK to over 26,000. That total is a jump of almost a fifth on previous reports of the total number of deaths. But at today's daily briefing, Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab said the new figure also included a retrospective revision in deaths since the 2nd of March. He added that the UK was still seeing the peak of its outbreak. We're still coming through the peak and this is, as I've said before, a delicate and dangerous moment in this crisis. So this issue of a second spike and the need to avoid it, it's not a theoretical risk. And it's not something that's just confined to the United Kingdom. Having relaxed restrictions in Germany over the last week, they've seen a rise in the transmission rate of coronavirus. Chancellor Merkel has uh, said publicly and she's made it clear that they might need a second lockdown in Germany if, if the infection rate continues to rise. So this is a very real risk and it's vital we proceed carefully, guided by the scientific advice, so that our next step through this crisis is a sure-footed one. Half of the world's workers could lose their livelihoods to the pandemic, according to the International Labour Organization. The group's warning an estimated 1.6 billion workers are at risk, with those in the informal economy facing the greatest uncertainty. On Monday, the Chancellor confirmed that more than 4 million people in the UK had been furloughed under the government's job retention scheme. But today, the Professional Association for the Human Resources Sector, the CIPD, is calling on the government to change the rules of the scheme. The Telegraph's economics correspondent Lizzie Burden reports. Does the furlough scheme need to be more flexible? That's the complaint levelled at the coronavirus job retention scheme by business groups and think tanks today. They say instead of only some of the workforce being able to work all the time, all the workforce should be able to work some of the time where possible. 
I was watching the Treasury Select Committee and the MP for South Cambridgeshire was talking about an agricultural company in his constituency that had to furlough all its staff because they were all so specialised that they all needed to be there together, even if reduced demand because of corona meant they didn't all need to be there as long. Now, a lot of the groups calling for this shift to short-time work say the move would make the scheme cheaper for the taxpayer, but accept that actually the government did a pretty good job of getting the furlough scheme up and running quickly, and inevitably that meant that it would have some policy design flaws. So maybe it's not fair to compare with Germany, for example, which already had a short-time work system set up in 1910 to help with its mining industry. But Sweden's also set up its scheme really neatly so that workers' hours can be cut by 20, 40, 60 or 80% and the government top-up is then cut accordingly. So the hope of groups like Reform, the CIPD, is that the government will now adapt the scheme, just like it did to accommodate self-employed workers, to help the economy gradually get back on its feet. Because the economy clearly won't be as easy to switch on as it was to switch off. Nearly 20,000 more patients could die from cancer in the next year because of a lack of treatment during the coronavirus crisis. That's according to a major study by University London, the first to project the extra death toll from cancer across the UK. On Monday, the government said cancer care, which had been stopped to prioritise treating coronavirus, would begin to be restored from Tuesday. But earlier, I spoke to oncologist and former director of the World Health Organization Cancer Programme, Professor Carol Sikora. He told me the biggest problem is that patients with possible symptoms of cancer aren't contacting their GP for initial diagnosis. We'd normally expect something like 25 to 30,000 new diagnoses. We'll be lucky that by Friday, the 1st of May, we'll have seen more than 5,000. And the powerful psychological campaign of uh, stay home, protect the NHS, save lives very effective, but it puts people off. Using the NHS, it makes you feel guilty to use it. And the stay home message implies you can't pitch up in hospitals or uh, at your GP surgery. Now, a lot of the initial diagnosis and getting someone into the diagnostic pathway of scans and investigations can be done on the telephone. The NHS had to switch to COVID, there's no doubt. Build the Nightingale Hospital's correct decision, stop routine operations in, in the beginning of April, completely the end of March. But now's the time to get going again. And I think we've been too slow. Cancer hasn't taken the month of April off. Sitting inside and at close proximity, there are few venues more problematic than your local cinema while social distancing guidance is in place. Many of us have brought the cinema to our own sitting rooms, minus the overpriced popcorn. Netflix has seen global subscriber numbers surge. Almost 16 million people created accounts in the first three months of the year. But now the pivot to streaming is having an effect on the biggest event in film, the Oscars. The Telegraph's film critic Robbie Collin has the story. The Academy has long regarded online streaming services such as Netflix with extreme suspicion. Since their work bypasses cinemas, in the eyes of traditionalists that makes them a threat to the film industry, rather than just a new branch of it. Yet with cinemas around the world closed indefinitely, the Academy has decided to welcome streaming into the fold. Usually, in order to be eligible for the Oscars, a film has to play theatrically for at least seven days somewhere in the Los Angeles area. But for the 2021 ceremony, and this ceremony only, bosses are stressing, 
films which open on streaming services while cinemas are closed will also qualify. This means that Trolls World Tour will still be in the running for Best Animated Film, even though Universal sent it straight to digital platforms earlier this month, after the studio was forced to abandon its planned theatrical release in the Easter holidays. As for the ceremony itself, it's scheduled for the 28th of February next year, and will currently still go ahead as planned. History tells us that's unlikely to change. In 92 years, the Oscars have never been cancelled and were postponed only three times, never by more than a week. But when it comes to putting the streaming genie back in the bottle after one year only, to me that sounds like wishful thinking. I think this pandemic is going to change the industry more dramatically than any event since the release of Jaws in 1975 brought us the blockbuster business model. The coronavirus leap to streaming could be the sequel to that upheaval, and in the best traditions of modern Hollywood, it's going to be a lot darker and grittier. The lockdown has transformed many of our lives, but widely accepted as one of the most life-changing experiences a person can go through is having a child. But when hospitals are taking stricter precautions than ever, grandparents can't come to visit and childcare is out the window, what's it like having a child under lockdown? Today, the Prime Minister and his fiancée Carrie Simmons found out as she gave birth to a baby boy. The Telegraph's travel news editor, Hugh Morris, also became a parent for the first time when his wife gave birth to their daughter just two days before the lockdown was announced. He told me that social distancing hasn't made life as a new father easy. It's yeah, it's been a roller coaster. It's, it, there's been moments where it's like, oh my, you know, we're so lucky to be able to spend additional time with her, and I've been able to work from home and lend support, which I wouldn't have otherwise been able to. But it's been quite sad that we haven't been able to have friends and family visit. We, uh, you know, my wife hasn't been able to go and meet the other mums in uh, her NCT group for for that kind of support. So, you know, it's it's kind of bittersweet. Um, and I know that this will pass, and I know that in these circumstances, it's it's always helpful to think that you'll look back at it and maybe you'll see it through rose-tinted glasses and you'll be like, yeah, remember that time we spent weeks on lockdown with our new daughter? Um, but there's no denying that you know, it has been tough. Hugh, you mentioned to me before that in some ways you actually felt very lucky to have had your baby when you did. Uh, tell the listeners about that. I feel very lucky that we did not have our baby a week later because I know that hospitals were already beginning to um, ban birth partners from um, before and after. And having you know, having been by my wife's side throughout the whole kind of 24-hour process, the thought of not being able to be there for her it w- is absolutely horrible. So I feel very lucky in that sense. That's all for today's show. If we've left one of your questions unanswered, record it in a voice memo and pop it in an email. The address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis and I'll be back on Thursday evening with your next update. In the meantime, you can stay up to date with all of our coronavirus coverage completely free for the first week of your Telegraph subscription. Go to telegraph.co.uk slash audio. 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.